In this episode, I am joined by Josue Acosta, who works as a field machinist, technical bolting specialist. He travels throughout the U.S. for different projects for his job and always finds a way to watch games. Josue's dad, who is from Monterrey, passed on the fandom for Tigres onto him as a kid. He has played soccer all of his life and considers himself a very passionate Tigres fan. Hope you enjoy the episode. What up, everybody? This is Arnoldo once again on our uh, third episode of the Laú Times podcast. Here I got a special friend who I've gotten to know uh, recently throughout the season, my friend Josue Acosta. How you doing, brother? Good. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know we kind of been trying to set this up. Uh, you know, schedules can be tight, but glad you're finally on. What's going on? What's new? How was your uh, Memorial Day weekend? It's pretty good. Just uh, a lot of hanging out here with my wife and finally got to relax after being out of town for six weeks. Wow. Uh, that was when you when we recorded that time. You So you were in Montana for the last six weeks? Yeah. Yeah. I was in Montana, in Billings, Montana, and now I'm back, thankfully. What do you typically do up there? Do you go there often? No, no, no. So we pretty much work all across the United States. We do field machining and hydraulic specialty bolting. So that's what we specialize in. Do you get to travel uh, often? I think you might've mentioned that you get to go to any city basically where you're needed. Is it on project basis, like how long they need you or do you have a certain amount of time uh, you know, that you have to be there? How does that work for you? So what we do is turnaround work. So We'll go out there and assist all the mechanical and the piping guys with the machining and the hydraulic bolting. Mm -hmm. So pretty much it's just a project base. We'll be working like, uh, for, for instance, in Montana. And my next job is actually in Iowa. Mm -hmm. So uh, from there, I might be in Corpus. I might be in Louisiana. I might be here in Houston. So it'll be all over pretty much. Have you... Uh... Is there a specific place that you've traveled with this job that a city or state that you like fell in love with or you hadn't experienced before? Anything's interesting? Actually, I think Billings was actually one of the nicest ones. The weather was nice. Uh, the scenery was nice. All the mountains all around us. Uh, other than that, you know, Corpus is pretty laid back. Uh, but I wouldn't give anything up to being here in Houston. <laughs> Yeah, man. So you were born and raised here in Houston? Yeah, so I was born and raised here in, uh, I was born in Galveston, but pretty much born and raised here in the Houston area. What, what part of the town are you from? I grew up in uh, Deer Park, but I actually live in LaPorte now. Nice. So right down the street. Yeah, we're very close by to each other. I'm, I'm on the outskirts uh, of Houston near, uh, well, I'm in Galena Park, but on 610 area uh, where I 10 meets. Um, but Anyways, that's pretty cool, bro. So I want to talk to you, obviously, about what we're here to talk about. You know, got that nice polo, fresh polo you got there. And, uh, you know, Tigres, bro. So first thing I want to talk to you about is what did you um, – what was that experience like in the exit of the semifinals recently when we lost to Atlas, who, you know, was just crowned back-to-back uh, -back champs uh, last night? So it was a great matchup um, in terms of – excitement for a short 30 minutes so what was that like for you did you think that we were knocked out after the first game or did you think that we were gonna 
you know, somehow managed to score the three goals and advance to the final? What, what were you thinking going into those games? And I was thinking it was possible. Uh, we've seen it before with Das de Caso, and I felt that being at home, it would have had that extra push that we needed, that extra motivation. And I was really upset because Tigres never has to be against the ropes the way they were. Mm -hmm. They have a team that personally, I feel that they should never be in that situation. Correct. But, Too much uh, talent, man. So much talent. But we were there and we got through it. Unfortunately, we would have lost that game regardless on the table mm -hmm. because of uh, that uh, nine foreigners at one time. But, you know, it's, that's another thing I felt like the coaching staff, the, the refs, you know, the commission, there's so many people involved in the game that should have sent out a, a little red flag. Yeah. Hey, you sure you want to make that sub? Absolutely. But uh, do you think, uh, you know, growing up in the United States and, you know, with the American sports cultures that, that we have here, do you think that's like a firewall offense for Piojo, uh, you know, to not coach at Tigres anymore? Because, you know, if they would have actually um, advanced and not given up that PK and, uh, with Aldo Rocha scoring it, it would have been a, almost like very humiliating for a team like Tigres to be involved in a situa situation like that. So do you think Piojo should have been fired or would have been fired if, you know, they would advance um, with the goals? Yeah, I believe it. It was something severe because it's one of them things that it's a rule set in stone. It's not something that, you know, they just came up out of the moment. You know, it's something that even us as fans, you recognize and you're like, what are you doing? Why'd you make that sub? And then later on, they start talking about the, the punishment to the team had you advanced and, you know, we took the highlight for the wrong reasons in the media. Yeah. yeah. And especially with the performance, you know, that they, that they put on, you know, having to score four goals and momentarily having the, the ticket, their ticket to the uh, final. So it, I agree with you. I think it's something that, you know, I've talked about it with Lewis uh, in a recording. Um, I think that you kind of have to, you know, finish, you know, this upcoming season going into the world cup, see how it, it, we perform. I think it's championship or bust. And that's the only way that he stays. Um, I think that he has given us everything that uh, we thought he could give us, which is that exciting soccer. But I believe for what Tigres is trying to do and, you know, continue to grow the brand and establish, you know, more championships and, you know, kind of send themselves as a powerhouse beyond the money uh, and wealth that they, they have. You need a, a, a coach that can not only be able to have these players do their job on the field, but also be a well representation of the team and where the direction that it's heading. Yeah, and I agree. I, I believe Piojo, if he can somehow manage what he did throughout the season and into the playoffs for both seasons, I know it was a rough start the first few games you know we we had been accustomed for the last 10 years with el tuca but 
you know, it was a, tr a tough transition at first, but once the team got going, you know, it was a real exciting football. It was, it was nice. We, we got to enjoy it. Yeah. And something we hadn't done in a while. Yeah. We, we never saw something like that. It was always very control the tempo, control the possession, control the game from the first minute to the 90th minute. Sometimes it worked for most of the times it worked mm -hmm. and sometimes it, bit us in the butt you know yeah it wasn't exciting yeah. soccer bro but it was a good it was discipline effective. yeah it was effective disciplined soccer that got us championships yeah and then this one comes around and it's really exciting but you know it Chaotic. feels like these last two uh years, he just wanted to park the bus you don't play you know full-on attacking football and then Hey, we're gonna park the bus. You know, last two, three, four games of the season. You don't do that. You just keep with your momentum because once you do that, everyone's at a rhythm. Mm -hmm. And and you add the fact that our defense is not, you know, our best uh, lined, you know, on the field. So I think that exposing the team to park the bus and having to defend constantly when your players have been known for making lots of mistakes or, you know, gotten beat on, on pace and speed. So it's just not the best situation. You got to stick to this attacking style that, you know, he has demonstrated um, this season, unfortunately, probably from Jornada 14, maybe 15, uh, we started, you know, underperforming. So I think we just, you know, we lost juice, man. The players lost, you know, they were out of gas, you know, they were tired, you know, for the way that we, we, we try to play every single night uh, when we have game nights. So, it's something that has to, you know, improve as we, like I said, I think it's championship or bust, but uh, anyways, but four to one, man, I'm sure you, you had a great time watching that performance. So uh, moving on, my first question to you here, getting to know you a little more on the, you know, fan aspect of, you know, you being a Theodas fan. Um, how did you become a fan? And, you know, what does Theodas mean to you? Man, to me, Theodas is everything. Because I'll literally base my whole schedule every Saturday, Sunday, sometimes those Wednesdays and Thursdays. I will literally base my whole schedule based off that game. So we have a seven o'clock game. Everything has to be done by six. Mm -hmm. If it's a nine o'clock game, it has to be done an hour early also. Um, those two to four hours of that game and the socialing with the family, the barbecuing, to me, it's it's everything, you know, you, you get to to have fun and enjoy it with your family, your close friends or or whatever, and have a good meal, have a few drinks, you know, just it's just a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And so how did how did you become a fan? I'm assuming your dad was the one that kind of like put you on them or put you on the team. Yeah. So my dad, he's my dad and my mom were both born in Monterrey. And that's where they met and they got married and they moved up here to, to Houston. And for as far back as I can remember, and as far back as he can remember, they've always gone to the games. So whenever I came along, you know, I was born, uh, he started taking me to the games. And there's games where he's got pictures of me that I don't even remember going to those games. <laughs> I, was, I was too small. Yeah, yeah. But, um, do you have any recollection of what was your first like true moment that maybe at the stadium or you remember that like was your first time being a fan of the team? 
Yeah, so my first real moment that I can dig out of my memory is the 2001 championship with Pachuca that we lost. And then uh, shortly after in 2003, we went back and played them again and lost that one again. But I remember being at both finals, you know, it was, it's a disappointing, you know, um, moment, but it was one of those that even to the day, you know, it traumatized me. I couldn't go to a championship game for 14 years until uh, Tigres versus Monterrey. That's when I, I finally grew the courage to go back. But uh Yes, as far as I can remember, that's probably been one of the the memories that stuck in my head. And, you know, it was it was a hard one, but you know, we've made it this far now. Dude, we had a we had some those two good those two uh finals, we had some really good teams. The first one was with Tuca at uh, as our coach, and we had uh Irene Suarez, um I think we had Chucholalde, Claudio Suarez, uh, who else? Javier Saavedra. So we had a good team in 2003 with Walter Gaitan, Campagnolo, uh, Hugo Sanchez, quien más? Cookie uh, Silvera. We had Antonio I mean, Sancho. Antonio Sancho in the mid. Like, dude, we had some, we had a nice squad back there. Yeah. And, and we should have gotten one of those two championships. The second one, I think, more uh, than the first one because. That 2003, we had the best offense, like, literally all season. And, like, we were really fun to watch with Pompido because Pompido just let them fly um, when it came to the tactical approach on the field. So that's pretty cool. I I, I think I, that was probably the first time that I was truly, like, hurt as a, like, as a, uh, as a fan. That had been probably that I can remember probably two years prior to that, maybe three years. Um, basically remember everything, but that like I cried dude I, I was I was a kid and I was like damn this is what it feels like and I honestly after that I didn't think that I was going to see Tigres in, in in a final and so luckily that you know changed in 2011 but um anyways what about uh any game day rituals so you talked about I'm assuming you guys have carne asadas and you know cookouts with your fans so you guys make it a, an event you know out of a Tigres game do you have any any game day rituals that you do on your own besides, you know, obviously the cookout, anything like interesting that, you know, may, may stick out to you? So actually, I was just talking to this about it with my wife because my ritual starts actually before the season, whenever we'll have those uh, friendly games, either here in Houston, Austin or, you know, San Antonio or wherever here in Texas, I'll start wearing a, a shirt. And if they don't perform well, they lose. I just throw it in the back burner, hang it up. All right, forget about it for a little bit. Go to the next one. If we lose, tie, whatever. Until I find that winning shirt, that's the <laughs> one I'm wearing throughout the whole season. And I'll tell my wife, don't wash it. I'll hide it. Yeah. I don't want I don't want that luck to be like, I guess, washed away. Yeah, so yeah. I will literally wear that shirt only on that Saturday or Sunday until that game ends and then I'll change another shirt. But it's one of them things that it's, I don't know. I just have to have that because I feel like I'll feel safer, even though sometimes we do lose, but yeah, I'll still wear it that next, that next game. I'm like, I have to. The famous uh, Cabalas. Um, That's pretty cool. Do you, are you planning on going to the, 
game in San Antonio. They're coming on the 22nd of June. Yeah, if I'm here in town, I will definitely do whatever it takes to go. Cool. Uh, if you do, I definitely. I'll here, so I'll, I'll probably be going. Cool. So you talked about, obviously, you know, be, becoming a fan and, you know, game day rituals just now. What's a goal that you have watched, um, you know, from Tigres that you can you haven't been able to get out of your head or you think a lot about it a lot or a moment that, you know, that was really important for you watching that goal? Is there any goal that sticks out that, you know, could be your favorite or, your, your, or something you'll, you won't forget? And there's obviously there's a lot of them, but I think the one that just sticks out, it just it has to be the Duenas goal. Minute 118, Christmas Day, we're down. You know, we had been there, the adrenaline's pumping. We're fixing to lose this final if that doesn't, if that goal don't go in. You know, it was just, it was just crazy just seeing how it all played out. Once Julian Dom sent that cross, you're like, man, he's wide open. That one's going in. Yeah, dude, and, that was such an awesome goal. It, it, that's probably like, I'm sure a lot of Tigres' fans' favorite championship. I mean, think about it. Like, we celebrate, you know, as Hispanics or Mexicans uh, on the 24th, uh, you know, Nochebuena. And then, yeah. you know, the 25th, Puro Recalentado. And just having that, like, family, family's already going to be over, man. So, Having that uh, title on Christmas Day was awesome. Uh, that was uh, that's probably my favorite championship besides the uh, El Clasico. Yeah, that was definitely my favorite Christmas gift. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it was funny because when that when that uh, game happened, I remember the fight that broke out a few minutes before that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I don't think we win that championship without that fight. Yeah, yeah. That's what I I was gonna comment is. I actually watched that game in inside a refinery. We're working on an emergency job and we took over one of the offices. I bought a little projector and set it up and watched the game there. And then um, that fight broke out. And I remember I looked over to my dad and a couple of coworkers and I said, that that's the moment that just changed everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That uh, we're going to win. And they were like, you're crazy. You know, there's only a few minutes left. I believe it happened like in minute 112 or something like that. Mm, yep. It was literally a few minutes before that. And then I was like, I just have a feeling, you know, this momentum just changed. You know, everything's everything's about to change. And sure enough, that goal came. And then, you know, after that, we all know the story. Now, well, you know, literally blocking everything. Went batshit crazy, bro, blocking everything. He he was awesome. Yeah, and I don't know. Did you ever hear that uh that interview with him? He was gonna take the fifth PK with that conversation he had with Duca, and he said, "Look, we we're not getting to the fifth PK. I'll take care." Yeah, of it. I did. I don't. I can't recall like where I heard about it, but I know that it was like brought to my attention. Was it in an interview, like in a podcast, or or what no. was it? Where does he talk about it? It was an interview. I can't remember where, but I, I do remember seeing the video and they asked him about, you know, the PKs, you know, uh, and if he was interested on in taking the fifth PK, that Duca asked him and he said, look, we're not going to take, we're not going to get there. Yeah. I want to make sure we don't. And yeah. 
I think that even if, you know, obviously that was awesome. Like that, that even put a, like put the cherry on top, like winning that way in that matter uh, with him saving three PKs, especially three in a row. But I think if, if Tigres had two more minutes on the clock, three minutes on the clock, we would have scored another goal. Like America was defeated after we scored that uh, goal in the 118, almost 119th minute stadium goes crazy, explodes. I think at that point, nine on nine versus nine. I think that's what the game was for at that point, right? Yeah. Nine versus nine on the field. The game is so open at that point. There's so many spaces on the field. We had so much talent on the field. I, it was just a matter of time, but you know, obviously we didn't have enough time, but you know, thank God Nahuel, you know, had a monster, monster, monster performance in the, with all those saves, but crazy moment dude crazy moment i remember in that final that championship game whenever the pks are starting and now Webb's just chilling in the in the benches he's just chilling there and i'm like dude are you serious go talk to them go get your <laughs> you know your your pre-pk meeting with the guys you know yeah. what are you doing there by yourself and he, it comes out that he does it after or before every PK shootout, I've yeah. noticed now that that's what he does, just a way for him to clear his head and get ready or mentally ready. And I, I saw a, a tweet recently in the last couple of days of Noah's old voice, his former team, and it's yeah. something you know it was like a, it was like a quote tweet to a Theodore's tweet about you know, where all, where it all started and it's him saving PKs and the, you know, he's Riquelme starts off the, the, the yeah, shootout. Boca Juniors. Boca Juniors. Yep. Yeah. That was, I seen that, that same thing. And I, I had to look at the, the whole thing. After yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. That was, that was good. Crazy. He's so leading, he's phenomenal. Into, leading into that, my, uh, you know, controversial, I guess, question, who, who do you, not who, but, when I ask you this, now Will or Gignac, who do you who do you which one do you relate to most? And I, I gotta go with Nawel. I think that he's always had he's always been a top performer. He's always at his top level in every game, whether it's a championship game or a week one game, you know, he's always gonna show up, he's always gonna perform. And we going back to that America Tigres. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have had that three and zero. In Tigres Monterrey, that final, uh, there was a, a moment where Monterrey had us, you know, on the ropes. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to get the ball forward. They were just attacking, pressing. We had no way out. We were on the ropes, and there was a few saves on that match that could have cost us the tie and then that whole more well, the 2019 the year mm -hmm. it was all largely because of Nahuel and all his spectacular saves that he had so I feel that those championships that we've earned in these recent years are largely because of Nahuel now Iñak, there's no, I can't take any credit away from him, but if you're asking me to choose one or the other, I'm, I'm going with Nahuel. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to argue. It's, it's, you know, you, it's a win-win situation, obviously. Um, I think it just, 
it's it's a matter of like how you see the game, right? Like, did you fall in love with the goal scoring machine or with the leader, you know, on the field, you know, that guy that's going to do everything in its power to get that, that win for us. Um, so, but I wanted to ask you, so is that championship um, from Christmas day, your favorite theater's moment, or is there any other moment that's, you know, tops that? Yeah, I think between that America championship and the Monterrey championship, they, they're both up there, but that, Tigres Monterrey just really feels like a bragging rights because after they missed that PK, it seemed like we got everything under control because they lost all momentum mm-hmm. in the in the upper third. But, you know, in 2016 with America, you know, it was America Centenario. You know, everyone thought that America was going to win, that they had that extra push because of their 100-year anniversary. You La know. Volpe on the bench. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was almost like it needed to happen for them. Like it was a setup. It, it was, it was going to be a great moment. But I'm glad we spoiled that moment. Yeah, and then all that adrenaline. You, I, I don't remember ever feeling like I was going to have a heart attack. You know, being so <laughs> young. But that leading up to that, I, I really felt like my, my heart was working some overtime. Dude, I've had to like get really like good about that because I used to get so upset, man, especially like more as a recent because when we started winning championships, I started like this is probably maybe the Christmas one. But even the 2015 against Pumas, I just knew because we had the Libertadores that year and then we had the the final against Pumas. I knew that moving forward, it was going to be harder to be a fan of Tigres because they were always going to be competing for the championship moving forward because we just we broke through as a winning a winning team and then you know when you have financial support to go out and sign key players and be able to bring in uh, players from the local uh, league um, it's just it, it makes it easier and more accessible to get to those spots so I knew that going forward it was just going to be tough because I was just going to expect them to win all the time because of the talent they're going to have and which they typically have had, if not the most talented, definitely the second most talented squad in the league, at least the last seven years, eight years. Easy. And so um, anyways, sorry, I got a message there. Um, but I just don't, you know, it's not, I just hope it just continues to like grow, you know, like with the amount of stuff that we have done to make that happen. But uh Moving on, brother. So jerseys, you were in that clean polo, which big fan of it. Um, jersey, you said uh, you have rituals with jerseys, so I'm assuming you have your, your own collection. What's your favorite jersey that you you currently own? I got a few and actually brought them up here with me to show them. But my personal favorite isn't really that it's like a, the nicest, like, to me, the, the nicest ones would be like the 2015-16 with the collar. And um, I don't know if you remember back in 2010 and 11, they had that gold one with the collar. Mm-hmm. So those to me are my absolute favorite just because they look classy. Anytime you put a like a, a collar on the jerseys, they, they just look nice. Yeah. Like, I don't know, something about that, but... My favorite one is this one. 
Oh, that one's nice. 2011? Yeah, it's signed by all the players that started on that game. Wow. Very cool. I'm not sure if you can see it. It's an older shirt that's been, you know, hung for the longest. But that one has to be my my all-time favorite jersey that I own. And it's got the uh, La Franca, bro. It's got the the, – that's pretty cool. That's That's it. I'm hoping that – you know, more jerseys get released like that with that, like, you know, line going across because it just makes it, it adds a, a, such a cool effect. And I'm with you. Polos on jerseys, vintage, vintage like with a classy look. So I've seen some stuff on Twitter recently that could be a possibility about the jerseys, but hopefully, man, Adidas has been slack in the last few yeah, years. Um, you know, the black ones that they've released have been awesome. I think that, you know, the one that they released for Batman, Nine, at least it's in my top five of jerseys that I, that I love, if, uh, if not top three. But um, And then uh, this one's actually my second favorite. Damn, that's I've, clean. I've never used Hella it. Hella clean. Still has a tag. Yeah, wow. Super and cool. I actually own all three of them for, for that year. And... Nice. I have the the that one. I have that one. Wow. Dude, I I didn't wasn't really uh I didn't really have the point of view about collecting uh goalkeeper jerseys, but then I was gifted one, um, the one that you just showed, and dude, I fell in love with them. They're super clean, like they might be better than the actual game jerseys for the game uh field players. Yeah, for me, it's just the the uniqueness of it. You don't yeah. see them in like every day, you'll see the yellow and the blue ones. And I own plenty of those. Yeah. But special occasions, special games, I'll, I'll whip out something exotic like that. Everyone's yeah. like, hey, man, where'd you get that jersey? Yeah, for sure. And it's a conversation starter. Absolutely. So um, we've talked quite a bit about, you know, the teams and some moments and whatnot. So my next question to you is who has is your theater's idol? You know, it could be past, present, you know, of who you associate your fandom with. I think just going back, it'd be uh, Antonio Sancho. I really like the way he he carried himself on the field. And it seemed like he he never really was in the game until he was booked. Yeah. <laughs> Once he was booked, it was like, all right, now he's gonna play. Yeah, yeah, dude. And that was like a like I remember like uh TV guys used to say that. Like it was he did not start playing until he got a yellow card. It was like he had that was like the, the turn on to like get it going. Yeah, it was and once he got that little switch going, like he really did control the field. Yeah into like today would be more like a Carioca or Pizarro, the way they control everything now. But back in the day, you know, that's who I was growing up with. And whenever I played soccer, I did start off in the mid. Mm-hmm. And that's who I looked up to is, is Antonio Sancho. And then, you know, from there, I think it would be Walter Gaetan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's my idea as idol. That dude was unbelievable. But Interesting that you mentioned Sancho because Sancho does, you know, he's a guy that unless you're a true fan um, and have followed them like quite a while, 
people don't know very much of him. And, you know, now he's in a role, he's the sporting director for us. And, you know, there's people that have questioned his ability to, you know, perform that position, but he was a leader on the field um, when he played. And in a time where, you know, you played one defensive mid, not we moved into, you know, obviously with the evolution of soccer, a lot of teams progressed to playing two defensive mids, maybe one a little more loose that can, you know, play up, uh, up higher in a higher position. But when Asuncio was playing, he was the only defensive mid that played on our squad. And, you know, eventually the second time he came back, he played a little bit with Lucas Ayala, but we had some, that was on the end of his career when we were bad, like we were fighting for relegation. But um, it's pretty interesting that you, you selected him because I think that he's one of those guys that overall for the history of the team, he is valuable because he, he was a leader and he was somebody that represented uh, the club very well. I think at one point, remember, you know, the, the fans at El Volcan started this like Once Sanchos or Once Antonio Sanchos on the field or something like that. Cause he was the only one that was la estaba partiendo, bro. And like in a time where, you know, Gaetan was, you know, not having his best years or he was hurt. Cookie was hurt. And so throughout time, it was just Sancho always standing out. So very cool that you mentioned him. Was not expecting that at all. Yeah, it was, it was something I thought about for a while. And I would just think and think. And the only one would be like Antonio Sancho. Yeah. Sancho. Sancho. I'm like, yeah, he he did play a big part of, of my remembrance of, growing up with the theaters. So I was like, I got to go with him. Cool. So what about favorite player on the team now? It has to be Nahuel. Nahuel? Um, um, hands down, Nahuel. Uh, just what he represents and how he, the whole team can be playing real crappy. He's always going to come through. Yeah. You can always absolutely. bet that he'll, even when he has those ridiculous moments, I I can't blame the guy. He he wants to put on a show for us just as anyone else does. So He's the he, keeps, he keeps having them say he can continue to to do what he we'll, wants. We'll give him one or two, you know. Passes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, with the talks of the you know, a possible new stadium, I wanted to get your quick perspective. Are you a fan of um a possible new stadium or do you think that especially with moments like you know that game against atlas you know it's better to keep it working yeah no i i definitely feel that the uni needs to be remodeled there's too much history from for me there's too many great memories you know with uncles uh, my dad my family my sisters my mom my wife you know there's there's too much history and too many great memories. I don't, I don't want to part ways with, but for the image, I understand what they're wanting to do, mm -hmm. having a new stadium, but I personally would rather use all that money and use it to remodel it, make it really nice. You already have a strong foundation and there's a, a connection between the fan and the, and that stadium. So me personally, I would, I would want it to see it remodeled. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a lot of people's uh, sentiment. I think that the attachment that they have to the stadium, um, you know, they feel that it's best to, 
just remodel it and keep the the history alive of what Edward has represented for the fan base. Um, so, so moving on from the stadium, bro. So, you know, as we're about to close out this uh, episode three of this podcast, um, one of the last questions that I have for you is a starting 11. So, what would be your starting 11 since you've watched um, Tigres or, you know, if you feel like you have to include even before your time for, you know, players that you feel that deserve to be in the starting 11. So this would be like your all-time Tigres uh, starting lineup. What would that be? And I think I would go Nahuel, Torres Nilo, Juninho, and believe it or not, I'd go with Luis Advincula. Because the little time that he was here, he was fast. He was strong. Yeah. I I just wish he had more time with us. And he was good, and he's not even better now. Yeah. Uh, so I would go with three defenders. I'd go with five mids. Okay. I'd go with Damian Alvarez on the left, Guido Pizarro, and Rafa Carioca. On in your center, uh-huh. you know, one can play more defensively and one more offensively. Or, and then uh, I'd have Javier Aquino on the right. Mm-hmm. Then as an attacking mid, I'd have Rafael Sobis. Wow, nice. I would, I would include him in my starting 11. Um, I would have two up top. That would be... Walter Gaitan and Guinea. So damn, bro, that's a lot of firepower. <laughs> yeah, I'm, going, I'm going all in. And, yeah, bro, and I'm guessing Tuca's coaching, uh, or in this case, you're coaching. <laughs> yeah, I'm coaching this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. I feel like with that, with those players, you can either form that three-five-two, mm-hmm. and when needed, you can form that. Five three two, mm-hmm. or even a four four two. So yeah. you have the mobility of, of changing positions and swapping and moving them around while the game is in motion without having to burn subs. And I feel like it is very balanced, yet very attack or a very offensive formation. Mm-hmm. So. That's who I would choose in a heartbeat for a championship game. You know, who are you taking? Those are my guys. Yeah, everything on the line. That's cool. I mean, I, I like the lineup. There's a lot of players on there that are greatly talented. Um, so I got one, two more questions. Um, this one I just thought about earlier today, and uh, I hate that I have, didn't ask that in previous podcast episodes. So what would it be your Mount Rushmore, you know, um, of Tigres players? My Mount Rushmore would be Nahuel, Guignac, Gaitan, and it's hard with either Tomas Boy or Batocletti. Yeah. But I mean, I- I would uh, definitely be adding that 
fifth one to the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> carving that fifth, fifth head there. Hire that construction company, get that going, yeah. get that carving going. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Batocletti, man. It, that guy, I hear so many stories from my dad about him. My dad's like, that's just like him and Tomas Boyer, his idols in Barbadillo, but always talks about Batocletti and, and Tomas Boy. Um, lastly, or last question I have for you is what would you tell a kid that is becoming a fan of Tigres uh, as, you know, he, you know, you have fallen in love with the team. Like I have fallen in love with the team over the years. Someone that's fresh, just starting to watch Gignac or Noel or any of these other players who they, you know, might relate to. What would you say to that, uh, that kid becoming a fan? I would just say, just enjoy it. Just enjoy every game. You know, we never know what we're going to get with theaters. You know, sometimes it's going to be an all offensive play. Sometimes we're on the ropes, but just enjoy every game. Uh, we didn't always have all this success. It was ups and downs and very frustrating at times, but, uh, I think since uh, 2011 to now, just enjoy it. You know, it's it's only going to get better, I believe, because of the wealth and the money they have backing them now. That I do feel that it's 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 going to be very enjoyable future for us. Uh, they're growing at an exponential rate, so I would just say just enjoy it, enjoy every minute, every game, and. Every play, you know, break it down all the way down because uh, it it is very exciting to watch. So, yeah, you fall um, in love pretty easily. Cool, man. Well, thanks a lot for your time today. Uh, good conversation. Uh, lots of cool stuff, uh, things to share about the team. Um, so thank you for your time and uh, definitely looking forward to talking again as the season picks back up uh, next month. And yeah, no, thank you for having me. It was it was. A pleasure being here. Absolutely, brother. Till next time. Yeah, next time. Take it easy. Peace.